I was happy that Soraya and David were able to meet with me and talk about their son Spencer, who has CHARGE syndrome. I was very glad to meet Spencer, who is now 17 years old. He's deaf, visually impaired, and concurrently taking high school and college courses. Soraya, when did you find out that Spencer had issues and what were some of the early challenges? Um, we found out that he had some birth defects within about know, four or five hours after he was born. Um, he, we didn't get an official diagnosis until he was 11. Wow, what type of def defects did, did they... Uh... So the first thing they found was um, tracheoesophageal fistula, or TEF for short. And that needed to be repaired pretty darn quick. So he had his, he was life lighted four hours away from where he was born. Um, was it for the first 24 hours or 48 hours? I wasn't there. My husband went with him. I had a C-section, so I had to stay in the hospital. So it was less than 20, because he was born in the, he was born early in the morning and then that night he was, he had he was, surgery? No, that night he was life flighted to UCLA. And then um, by the time I got down there in the morning, he was already in surgery. So pretty, so less than, probably about 24 hours after he was born, he was having his first surgery. Holy cow. And you mentioned that they didn't have the definitive diagnosis until he was 11? Until he was 11. And what was that diagnosis? So he's been diagnosed with CHARGE syndrome. Um, it's uh, each letter in the word charge stands for a different birth defect. So it's kind of an umbrella term for a bunch of things. You can have a clinical diagnosis or you can have a genetic diagnosis, but it basically all means that you treat it all the same way. <laughs> so um, for him, it's a clinical diagnosis. We did not do the genetic testing because it's expensive and it wasn't going to change anything. So. So, well, I wouldn't be surprised if it was genetic for him. But. So what type of issues? Any you talked about the first one that that, that took yes. surgery. So the TEF, he had a total of three surgeries to repair that, but um, while they were repairing those things and getting everything, all his plumbing straight, because <laughs> essentially with the TEF, his esophagus and his trachea, when they form, they're one tube and they split into two. His didn't split all the way, so he had a connection between the two tubes. Um, and then he had also a blind pouch. So his esophagus grew down about midway in his chest and then turned around and grew into itself. So he had no connection to his stomach at all. So, so that meant if he took anything orally, um, which in infancy would be liquid, it would have gone to his lungs and he would have drowned. Oh. oh, not really good, <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> so he had to have all of his plumbing redone <laughs> so that it all went to the right places. Um, and that took three surgeries over six weeks. He had three surgeries, three major surgeries in six weeks. And they placed a feeding tube. And then for the next six months, every two weeks, he went for um, an overnight procedure for dilation where they would stretch the esophagus and try and um, minimize the scar tissue so that it wouldn't um, so that he would have good function um, so he's had a lot of surgeries and a lot of stuff 
<laughs> a lot of work. He's also, uh, is he deaf or hard of hearing? He's or? deaf and he has a vision impairment um, and that's common with CHARGE syndrome um, to have all of those things. Okay. Uh, a lot of kids have, with CHARGE syndrome, they will have cleft lip, cleft palate, um, TEF is really common, uh, heart problems, growth issues, hormonal issues, uh, hearing, vision. Heart. I said heart. I'm forgetting something. Genitals. Uh, yeah. Gastrointestinal, um, endocrine, all of those things. Okay. So, David, um, what have been some of the challenges in uh, having Spencer and, and uh, some of his issues? I guess a lot of it is just not knowing what to do for him or like, or like, or, you know, initially it was just trying to be supportive of him and my wife as they, as they, um, um, as she's trying to be supportive of him and be, you know, being in the hospital a lot when he was first born. And then um, always worrying about there's gonna be, what other issues are gonna pop up. When he, like, as he was growing up, I think that one of the biggest ongoing challenges, well, two things. One for me has always been to learning sign language has always been really challenging for me. Um, I've, most of Spencer's, for the first half of Spencer's year, I was in school and I was focusing on that and didn't, didn't take the time I needed to take to learn sign language. And so, um, so sometimes communicating with him can be a challenge. Um, the other thing that is a challenge is just knowing like, okay, what's gonna, what's gonna be next? He, because of his TAF, he had a hard time swallowing and sometimes if he ate too quickly or things like that, he would, he would get stuff stuck in his, in his throat essentially. And if we couldn't get it out, then he'd have to go to the hospital and they would have to go in and scope it out. And so that was always stressful about just trying to, to know how to, to, make sure that he's eating pro properly is probably the biggest challenge. But do you have other challenges you want to add to um, Zariah? Well, that one in particular, that gets better. Just so you know, that gets better. As yeah. they get older, it stretches out and the scar tissue isn't so close together, so food passes easier. But the younger years were hard, probably till he was about seven, eight-ish. We were in the hospital just to have food removed from his esophagus. At least a couple times a year. More than that. Or, I'd say at least quarterly. <laughs> at the yeah. very least. Four times a year, if not more often. How old is he now? He's 17 now. Okay. <laughs> well, 17 in a couple of days. But yes, he's 17. So easier questions, right? What have been the joys? Um, he has this amazing ability to love everyone, regardless of who they are, how they are, how terrible they treat him it doesn't even phase him he just loves everybody with this amazing love that is a good example and so that's really great to see he does really hard things he gets really exhausted a part of church syndrome is poor muscle tone he has hypertonia and so it takes him twice as much effort to do what everybody else does and he just does it generally without complaining he just he never misses a Boy Scout hike. He's very involved in scouting or a camping trip, although it wears him out and he crashes hard at the end of the day, but he, he will do it. He'll be the last one up there, but he'll, 
he will do it and without complaint he loves it um, a few summers ago he did a pioneer trek and although he had to slow down and be the last one he was at the tail end of the group he did it and he likes doing that stuff he he enjoys doing it took him years to learn how to ride a bike it was hard because of his vision impairment he doesn't have depth perception and so and about and poor good balance um, so learning to ride a bike was really hard and he wasn't probably I don't know 10 by the time he really kind of mastered riding a bike he if was, he if he still has he, it mastered, he, he's, still, he's still a little wobbly still but struggles a he little can bit. ride a bike he could finally ride a bike and he never gave up he just plots along and so he's he's determined he doesn't get he doesn't it, like especially with something like right learning to ride a bike he was never afraid to like fall down because he would always just get right back up and that's like he's never let his disabilities keep him down he's always just gotten right back up and kept going at whatever it was that he wanted to do yeah that's great what are some joys that you have experienced uh, david He's just one of the he's just one of the happiest kids you'll you'll ever meet. Even though despite all these things that you know that you look at his life and you're like, wow, that could that could really suck. And he's just the happiest kid you'll know. And like Soraya said, he's always trying to be friendly with people, and and he doesn't let peop other people's thoughts of, about him get him down. Like if people are, he never really was bullied at school, even though you think that somebody different like him would be a a prime oh, he, target. He was. But he never lived. For, uh, for, for very short amounts of time, but it, he never got, the bullies never got the reaction they wanted. And so he was like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Would be his response or, oh, you know, oh, hi, friend, the next day, even though they said terrible things to him the day before. And so he kind of just loved them out of it. It just, it, it, he yeah, just. Yeah, it never, it never bothered it him. It never phases him. And so, Nothing phases him. <laughs> yeah. So, and just to see him, um, just to see how trusting he is, I guess, of us. Um, you know, he has his issues, right? He's a normal teenager, right? And so he ha definitely has his moments. his moments of of parental discord, I guess, <laughs> where he challenges us on things. But at the end of the day, I think he realizes that we're there to help him, and um, and he usually goes along with what we're trying to get him to do. <laughs> yeah, eventually. That's super. That's super. So let me ask you a question about his, his impact <laughs> on your immediate family as well as your extended family. Uh, David, do you want to take oh, okay. that one on? I get the hard question now. Um, so Spencer's impact on our family. I, um, well, obviously, we all know sign language. Some of us better than others. Soraya is much better at it than I am. Um, Andrew's actually pretty good at it. Um, we we attend a deaf or a, a deaf congregation for our church, so everything is done in ASL. So that's sort of changed um, who we interact with, and we've gotten to know people in the deaf community and have many dear friends in that in that community. Um, so that I don't think would have ever happened if we hadn't if we hadn't had Spencer. Um, I think he's helped us have a lot of fun. Yeah. Right. Um, he, you know, he's he's always the first one to to laugh at something, and he and he definitely um, 
especially the um, Joanna and Daniel. I think they look up to him as a as a big brother, as somebody that they can um, trust in. I don't know. They might not think of it in, the, in those terms, but I think it's somebody. He's somebody that that they, you know, to him, to them, he's just normal. He's just Spencer. That's who he is, and so they don't think that they don't think that there's anything wrong with him. They just understand him to be the way he is, and for them, that's normal. And I think that really helps them have um, more understanding for other people that they see that have special needs as well. And so I, you know, and um, um, you know, my and they have an uncle that has special needs too and they don't they're not nervous around him at all because it's just no, it's normal for him, for them to see somebody in a wheelchair and you know they're okay going up to him and, and asking him questions or maybe or maybe even you know sometimes you see somebody in a wheelchair and you want to keep your distance but they they don't do that they're willing to go up there and talk to him and even climb up on his wheelchair or even touch it and you know th- stuff like that so it, none of that's strange to any of them so I think that's probably been the, the biggest impact is that they can just see people for for who they are and look beyond whatever else is happening around that person. Thank you. So if I came to you and um, I just found out that I had a child that was diagnosed with CHARGE syndrome, what advice would you give me, Saran? Start learning sign language right now. That would be my first thing. Um, second thing would be there's a Charge Syndrome Foundation website. I would say go there and um, talk to the specialists. They have um, specialists on the East Coast that that all they do is work with Charge Syndrome kids who have tons of experience and tons of knowledge, and they will co- they will coordinate with your doctors, especially for us when we were. F- when my son was really little, we lived in a fairly rural area, and it was f- far to go to specialists, and it was hard. So, to have kind of contacts, those kind of contacts, um, I know that the specialists that are associated with the uh, with the Charge Syndrome Foundation, they consult all over the world, um, and just on charge, so they know what they're doing. Um, and then I think the other thing would be. Um, to allow your sp- yourself time to grieve um, for the loss of the child you thought you were going to have, um, because when you when you don't allow that process to happen, it, it can backfire real fast. You can you can end up going through a lo- suffering a lot more um, than you really needed to. So allow yourself to grieve, um, and whether that's writing a letter um, or having a ceremony or talking it out with a really good friend. Um, it's its not what you expected. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be okay. Yeah, I just wanted to add that, that there's going to be lots of doctor's appointments. There's going to be lots of therapy involved with children with charge syndrome. Um, Spencer is on the more mild end, hence our very late diagnosis for him. Um, but a lot of these children are diagnosed either in utero or right after birth. And um, there will be lots of machinery, there'll be lots of equipment that you'll have the privilege of learning to use. You'll, you'll become a nurse in your own right. And 
I wish there was some sort of certificate we could give to our, our moms with kids that have severe medical issues because they become quickly qualified, just as qualified as a nurse. But you'll learn lots and lots of new things. Take the opportunity to learn and get in there and do these things for yourself and for your child. Um, it will be an education, it will be a trial by fire, but you will feel so much more accomplished and so much more achieved when you can do all these things for your child yourself. Just like for a typical child, changing a diaper or giving them a bottle or nursing, whatever it might be, yours will be a different version of that. But um, with a little extra training, you can, you can do it, you can totally do it. But it, it'll be lots of appointments and lots of therapy and lots of surgeries. And, um, Eventually, you'll get used to it. It'll be your new normal, and it, you will have a you will have a system for yourself and for your child, and it'll go really smooth. But in the beginning, it'll be a little bit crazy as you learn this new skill, this, these new things. David, do you have anything else you want to add? I think I would just add that, and you can do this through the, you know, start with the Charge Foundation, but it's important to find other families that also have children with Charge and to create that that um, social support. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily um, have to be other families that have a child with just Charge, you know, you can get involved in helping with other families that have other disabilities. Um, the Locally, we're involved, Soraya is involved with United, United Angels, yeah. a group called United Angels, which does a lot of support for just families with children with just with any sort of special needs. So just get involved and, and keep and connect yeah. with other people. There's lots of those. In California, we were in the Easter Seals and yeah. there was a whole bunch of other you know, organizations, I can't remember all of them. So the point is to find, find a group. Find yeah, a group. Find, find, find someone where you can physically Online's great, but if you can find someone in your local community that understands that going to the hospital on a regular basis is hard. Pat, you know, this is something I tell other families that I meet that are going through um, newly diagnosis, pack a bag. Have a bag packed by the door. For a long time we had a backpack that just had fun things for Spencer because we would we could end up in the hospital at a moment's notice and it was just easier to have our own stuff our own snacks things i knew he could eat things i knew he could tolerate things that i like because vending machines let's face it are really just not that or nutritious. hospital food in general <laughs> food in general isn't always that great so just things that i knew i would enjoy um, i always kept sudoku and some crocheting stuff in the bag for myself because a lot of times your kids under anesthesia, just coming out of anesthesia, you're waiting, and there's a lot, just a lot of waiting. And so, just having those kind of conversations with other parents, gleaning from their experience, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have, you don't have to. I, I've already walked down this road, so come meet me here in the middle of the road instead of at the beginning of the road, and we'll walk the rest of the way together. So that you know, you just, you don't have to do it by yourself. That's great advice. I think I would add, and I was probably not the best at this, was. But, and this is what goes back to what Sarai was saying about the grieving. I think you have, it's important that you allow yourself to, to feel whatever emotions you're, you're going to feel about it and, and to work through those emotions. And, and it's okay. It's yeah. okay to be sad or mad or confused. That's okay. That's really normal. Feel it. Yeah. Um, but I think as you do that, then it's also important to remember to have fun with your, 
your ch children, despite whatever horrible thing you're trying to deal with it, that it can still be fun and it can be a joyous experience. Um, you know, if you've looked for the good in, in things, then you'll be able to to look back at those moments with joy instead of, of fear, yeah. Great advice. We, um, just kind of an example from our life, Spencer was, let's see, March, April, May, June, July. He was four months old and had a feeding tube and an AFNI monitor. Um, and we found adapters for our car so that we could run the pumps and things using our car battery. And we went for three days up the side of a mountain to a family reunion. We went camping. We went camping with no plumbing, no running water, no no toilets, porta potty toilets. <laughs> and and he played in the dirt and had a grand old time. You can do it. You can you can do it. You can take your kids and do normal things, whatever it was that you planned to do with this child before you had a diagnosis. You could still do all of those things. It might take a little more effort. And we had to find adapters, but once we found adapters, it wasn't so hard to do. It was yeah. just like going camping. It, it, it was fine. And that's kind of how we've d done things with Spencer. We don't exclude him from anything. He does everything that we, do, we would do anyways. We, I don't think we've ever looked at a situation where we thought, no, that's gonna be too hard. We're not gonna do that because we have to take Spencer. Yeah, or no, even, yeah, I don't think we've ever not even, done anything. Like with Evan, David's younger brother, who's in a wheelchair, we used to live about five minutes from them, so we, our families did a lot of things together when Spencer was young. And I don't think we ever thought, no, that's going to be too hard, let's not do that. We just, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I think we thought, let's, take it. let's go and do. Oh. Uh, maybe we should make an accommodation for that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we've taken wheelchairs where, wheelchairs where wheelchairs should, should never go. go yeah, so. yeah. Evan's been lots of places, and and the same with Spencer. We just take our kids wherever, wherever we would go normally, whether we had a child with a with a different ability or not. Um, we just, I think, treating them as normal as you can and just doing what you had planned. We didn't, in the early years, we didn't know because Spencer had so much developmental delay. We didn't know if he'd ever go to college or live independently or drive a car. Um, right now, I can say that he's in college. He's at UVU, he's in his second term, he's taking concurrent enrollment classes, and he's doing pretty well when he remembers to turn his homework in. He, you know, I mean, he's 17, he forgets. He's your typical teenager in <laughs> high school. <laughs> but he's taking concurrent enrollment, so he's taking college-level courses and getting high school credit and college credit at the same time. And that's pretty good for any for a typical 17-year-old. But he does it with accommodations. He gets extended time for testing. He has an interpreter with him at all times. He gets copies of the notes from other students and from the teacher. So it's possible. You can do it. You can make it work. It, it might take um, making a little bit extra effort, but you can do it. You can totally great. do it. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sure. taking the time to meet with me and to tell me a little bit about your life with Spencer. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I appreciate it. Sure.